going to preach from the wisdom literature. Um, next week, it's going to be from the prophets. You guys track it with me here? Uh, and Joey and his wife, Olivia, they've been married five years just a couple weeks ago. Can we yep. say congrats to that? Yo, and when they walk off stage, I think tomorrow they're going to the Bahamas? Bahamas. Bahamas. We're heading out. <laughs> heading like out. Some of them are jealous. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Joey is a senior leader over at Abide. And, mm-hmm. so, uh, and, and so really uh, community development and seeing our city restored and renewed. And uh, I love this dude. I'm just getting to know him. And, uh, and I'm going to hand it off to him. And can we give, give it up to Joey as he preaches God's word? Well, good morning, CLB. Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning. Are you guys excited for what God is doing through the church? Yes. One more time. Can we just give it up for the leadership here, Elvin, Jameson? Um, I mean, that's amazing. Church plant, church is given. You don't even know the, the one in Iowa said you don't even know who they are. That's amazing. Osage? Never heard of that one before. But that's amazing. <laughs> You're funny. Like Elvin said, my name is Joey McKernan. Uh, I know a lot of you guys, but it is just great to be here. I work with Abide. Um, my wife, me and my wife have been married for five years, and we've also been attending here at City Light Benson for just a couple months. I don't know if some of you know that, but it's just, just been amazing to see what God is doing here in this place. And uh, me and Olivia have been connected to CLB in a couple different ways. So Pastor Jameson is a great friend of mine. And um, when Pastor Jay was at Bridge Church, we had actually shared an office together. It was a mess. We were, we were a hot mess. But uh, we were in this little office. The walls were thin. It was up off 30th and Lake. And he was at the time, I think, leading the group's ministry. I was just tagging along, trying to make some things happen. And uh, it's just been amazing to see his journey, uh, God's journey through his leadership, Pastor Ty, same way. So just been amazing. Love this church and love what God is doing here. One more time, if you're excited, can you just make some noise? Like, hey, this is amazing. God is doing this. And I'm just glad to be a part. Uh, I've also been a part of planting churches in Omaha, but I now kind of uh, spend most of my time in the nonprofit se- sector partnering with churches all across the city, seeing God do some great stuff, but also uh, preach here and there. So I'm really excited. But before we get into this word, we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes, but we're in this series called Binge. Look to your neighbor and say binge. I love this concept because especially in summer, right? Who knows? We can get a little tired in summer. You go on a lot of vacations. God's word start, you know, Our habits start to get a little loose in the summer, right? Some of us go to the Bahamas. Some of us go to Kansas City. I don't know. We go to different places. But our habits start to get a little loose in the summer. But I love this series that we're going through this because God's Word, who knows God's Word is incredibly important to our development of our daily lives. Incredibly important. And I want to pray to start us off, but I don't just want to pray because that's what pastors do, okay? Okay to transition. I'm not praying to transition, I promise, okay? I want to pray because number one, I believe with everything inside of myself that God's word is going to change our lives this morning. Like, here's my heart. My prayer is that this is not just another Sunday morning. I've been going to church most of my life, and I know what it's like to go to church to check it off the list. Anybody with me? 
My prayer is that this morning, Ecclesiastes will completely transform how we look at this week. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're with me. I feel that. But here's what I, here's what I also know, that if we don't posture ourselves, we're going to miss it. If we don't posture our heart to say, God, I am listening, we're going to miss it. And so we're going to do something really quickly this morning, and this might be weird, and that's okay. And if you're new to CLB, that's okay too. But I just want to put our hands out like this really quickly. And this isn't anything weird. There's nothing magical in our hands. But what we're saying is, God, I'm listening. I hear you. Can you do that with me? I'm going to pray over us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, we're just saying in the stillness, we hear you. God, amongst all the noise, Lord, all the expectations, all the work, the kids, the to-do lists, and the finances, and the rent, Lord, we hear you. Father God, I just, I pray Lord, that you speak through me, Lord. These are not my words. These are your words. Father God, we're listening. Lord, in this moment, in this time, God, I pray that we walk into this week different. God, I pray that we walk into this week on purpose. God, I pray that we walk into this week like never before. So, Lord, we love you. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 if you have your Bible out. If you don't, the verse is going to be on the screen. If you could put that first verse up. Ecclesiastes is written by a man named Solomon. Now Solomon was the son of King David. King David was one of the most successful kings in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. David has a son, his name is Solomon, and Solomon has this moment with God where he gets a request Because Solomon is a king, God comes to Solomon and he says, look, I'm going to bless you, whatever you want. Now, if God comes to you and he says, you can have whatever you want, I'm not sure if I would answer what Solomon said. I have a lot of different answers with that, right? Solomon, a wise man, looks at God and he says, out of all the things I want, I want wisdom. Some say, man, that's weird. (laughs) It's not weird, but I don't know if that, that would be my answer. Wisdom. But he says, look, I would like wisdom. Because he has wisdom, Solomon becomes one of the most prosperous men in the whole nation. He's got the money. He's got the women. We don't need to get into that. We don't need to go there. We had a lot of women. He had a lot of uh, power, decision-making, hierarchy, title. He had everything that anybody had ever wanted. But he writes Ecclesiastes at the end of his life, and here's what he realizes. He says this, I, the teacher, Solomon, there we go, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens, what a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. 
I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them, here it is, are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. He says, look, I have everything anybody could ever want. I have titles, I have money, I have position, I have the families, I have everything, equity, real estate, anything you could ever imagine, I have it. All of it. Wisdom, you name it. But he said, none of it matters. All of it is meaningless. Except Jesus. You see... There's really two lanes in life, right? He says, look, you can chase the wind. You can chase the money. You can chase the titles. You can chase the ladder. You can chase all those things. You can chase your family. You can chase the sports. You can chase it all. But you will not find purpose in your life. You will find nothing but wind. And I think Solomon realized at the end of his life, he wasted time on the things that were meaningless. Now, they're not necessarily bad things, but we cannot find true purpose in those things. Over here, you have life, you have Jesus, you have hope, you have God, you have the things that will give us life, true purpose. And my prayer is that the church, the Big C Church, would wake up every single morning and see that Jesus was the only thing that gave us purpose. And my biggest fear for all of us is that we'll be maybe a little like Solomon and we'll chase after the wind our whole life and we'll come to the end with an empty hand of nothing. It's my biggest fear. Today, here's the problem we're solving. Are we finding purpose in Jesus or are we trying to find purpose in the wind? Because I don't care if you've been to church for one day or you've been to church for 20 years, we all struggle with this. Every single one of us, including myself, we all struggle. Oh, well, Joey, just a little bit of money gives me security. Oh, but if I get that title, if I, get, if I become the CFO, the COO, the C, whatever, then I'll actually feel purpose. If you've ever met people, some of the most miserable people are in the highest positions in our country because they thought it was going to give them purpose and it gave them nothing. It gave them nothing. When I was a kid, I used to go uh, in seventh, eighth grade, I used to go down to Missouri. This was this camp. It was a sports camp. We used to run around and, and whatever, do all the camp stuff. You guys, I'm sure you guys have been to camp. It's a mess. But you get back home and you run around the uh, forest and all these different things with your shirt off and whatever. It's a a whole deal. And (laughs) I don't know why your shirt's always off. It just always is. And at least as a boy. And (laughs) I'm just saying, that's what it is. Okay. That's what happened. And I come home from this camp and I have this poison oak rash all over my chest. You guys know that happens at camp. Tons of kids get it. Poison ivy, poison oak. It's just part of the gig. Get home. My mom was like, okay, let's take you to the doctor. Now, this doctor, let's just call him George. Uh, I don't know if he was a good doctor. He was a good guy. I don't know about a good doctor. So I go to Dr. George, and um, he's like, oh, Joey, I got what you need. I got you. 
here's put this ointment on, the steroidal ointment. It's going to clear it up. It's going to be perfect. I'm like, great. So I go home. I put the ointment on my chest, and I'm like, all right, let's get this thing over with so I can go to the pool and, you know, get in trouble and whatever. And um, what happens is my skin starts to get worse, and it starts to, like, get scaly. Is that the right term? Scaly? Like, bumpy? Like, reptile kind of, you know, toady? Yeah, it's gross. And it gets worse. So I go back to Dr. George. I'm like, look, man, <laughs> what is this? No, 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 Joey. It's okay. It's okay. You just got to trust the process. Trust the ointment cream. Trust the steroids. They're going to work. Okay. Doesn't look like it's working. But I'm like 13, so what do I know? Keep putting it on. It gets bad, bad, bad. I mean, it's like blistering. We don't need to go into details. There's actually a picture up here. I'm just kidding. We didn't bring a picture. We didn't bring a picture. That would be gross. We have these white bumps, all this stuff, all this. And I'm like, come on, man. So we go to this dermatologist. I go to the dermatologist, and I'm like, look, can you do something about this? He looks at the cream, and he's like, you shouldn't be taking this. He's like, you're allergic to this. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, just quit taking it. He's like, it'll clear up in like a couple weeks. Quit taking it, gone. There's a whole summer in the trash can because I couldn't do anything because I look like a frog. <sighs> it's horrible. <laughs> Terrible. But, it, but that's kind of what we do, right? That's kind of what we do. We want the broken things in life to fix us. We want the money to give us worth. We want the titles to make us feel important. We want our kids to succeed in sports because we got cut from the team. Ooh, sorry, move on from that one. These things aren't necessarily bad in themselves, but we can't find purpose in them. Because when we try to find purpose, we're left nothing with, we're left only with an empty hand. Here's my prayer this morning is we're going to learn some lessons from Solomon on how to live every single morning on purpose and what traps to avoid because we all fall into traps trying to seek these things out. And I talk to a lot of Christians that go to church. And by the way, they've been going to church their whole lives. I talk to pastors, by the way, too. And they're like, Joey, I have no passion. I don't feel on purpose. I don't feel like my life is meaning things because they're putting their purpose in the wrong things. And they're empty. So we're going to go through a couple lessons to solve this this morning. Are you all excited about that? Y'all ready? Let's do it. Okay. Next verse. Here's the first lesson that he gives us. Gotta make sure I'm good on time. Here's what he says, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Whoever loves money never, someone say never, never has enough. I feel like we need to say it again. Never, never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And I don't need to say this, but we know that our country defines purpose in our money. Don't need to say this. The church falls into, everybody falls into this trap. This is trap number one. 
is our money. Next slide. Trap number one in purpose is money. Just imagine that this chair represents money. That's all I could do, okay, guys? It's just a chair. But just picture with me, okay? Get creative. We, we are so crazy about finding purpose in our money. And what I find interesting about this is it's in our language in this country. If you've ever looked at someone who talks about, let's just use Jeff Bezos for an example, who is, we all know, the richest guy in the world. What do they say? They say Jeff Bezos is, starts with a W, worth 120 billion or however much money he has. Worth. Do you hear that? Do you hear it? We are valuing people based on how much money they have. So we fall in these traps in our country of saying, oh, I got fired, so I'm a failure. Or, oh, I lost money, so I'm not, I'm not living on purpose. Or, oh, we need to get our savings account to $50,000, because if I have $50,000, then I'm truly on purpose. And guess what? You get to 50000 and you want seventy. And you get to 70 and you want 100. And you want 100, you want 150, you got 300 and 500. It never ends. It is an endless goal of trying to seek who God has made you to be in a place that will never give it to you. Are you with me this morning? But we all fall in this trap. When I was a little kid, I remember uh, the, the Game Boy. Anybody remember the Game Boy? It was a big deal. Kids don't know about the Game Boys these days, but the Game Boy was, was amazing. And I, and I remember going to my mom, you know when kids really want something badly, they start bartering with their parents? Mom, I'll mow the yard every day for the rest of my life if I get a Game Boy. I will clean the dishes and, and, and vacuum the house. I will do everything I can just to have this Game Boy for Christmas. And my mom was like, get out of here. Jeez. I'll do whatever it takes. Finally, open up on Christmas morning. I remember it was in the box, and I opened I'm like, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Got my Game Boy. Six months later, what happened to that Game Boy? It's in some closet on her clothes or something. It's broken. I'm sure my brother threw it or something, broke the screen. I don't know. And what happened the next Christmas? You want something different. Whatever Nintendo came out that year, whatever. It's never enough. Jim Carrey had a quote. He said, I wish everybody would be rich and famous to see how it's not the answer. To see how it's not what we want. But somehow we've mixed our purpose with Jesus and money together. We've had, G our purpose becomes Jesus plus. Jesus plus a savings account. Jesus plus an investment portfolio. Jesus plus these things. And then we start to fall back into that trap of a counterfeit purpose. You see, we can only find purpose in Jesus or the wind. There's no in between but we try to. 
Because these things give us security, right? They give us safety. They give us control. If I have more money, then I can control my life. If I have more things, then I have, quote, unquote, power in my life. I have assets or whatever. And I can use this to do things, right? But what happens is we start to find our purpose in the things that don't give us purpose. And we're miserable, honestly. Trap number one is money. Next verse. Trap number two is this one. And I saw that all toil and all achievement, someone say achievement, spring from one person's envy of another. He says, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. The second trap is achievement. This has bled into the church a little bit. It's bled into a lot of our purposes. And by the way, on the Enneagram, I know Pastor Ty is an Enneagram uh, fanatic. On the Enneagram, I'm a three. Do you know what the three is? The achiever. So this is a hard point for me. This is a hard one for me. But here's the thing. Achievement in itself does not give us purpose. And if you've ever met people who are successful or they won Super Bowls or they won whatever, they're they're athletes usually, they win the medals and they get the things, they will tell you at the end of it, they're empty. Because what do you do after that achievement? What do you want to do? You want to achieve again. And you want to achieve again. Now, achievement in itself is not bad. It's not, there's good things that come out of it, but it has to be a result of finding purpose in Christ alone. And I see a lot of people, our, our world and our country is so obsessed about producing things that we start to identify with our production. And we think that's my value instead of Jesus alone. It's hard. I think of the story in the Bible, Mary and Martha. You guys are familiar with the story? Mary and Martha are two women in the Bible. They're two sisters. They had a few interactions with Jesus. They're in this home together. Jesus is being hosted in their home, and you have two different parallels of this story. You've got Martha over here. She's cooking, and she's getting all the stuff, and she's getting the things ready. And you've got Mary, who's sitting over here, and she's literally just at Jesus' feet, using her hair to wash it. And meanwhile, Martha, (laughs) who relates to Martha a little bit? I relate a little bit to Martha. She cooking, and she's looking over there like, get Mary over here. She's like, Jesus, what is she doing over there? Tell her to come and help me. What's Jesus say? He says, Martha, what you do is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But what Mary has chosen is the better. Mary chose to seek her purpose and her presence in Jesus alone. Martha was obsessed about getting things done. Not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. It's a good thing. But Mary chose what was better. In high school, I transferred uh, from this public school to this Christian school. And when I had transferred, I was in public school. I didn't really do my homework. I'll, I'll be honest. I'd do any homework. Um, when I transferred, the academics were much higher in this Christian education. Okay? 
And I'll never forget, I'm in this first class, and one of my friends were in there, and to be honest with you, it was, an, it was a higher level math class. I do not know why I was there. I should not have been there in the first place. Anybody with me? Anybody hate math? The majority of the room, so we can all agree. My wife loves math. I can't stand it. So I'm in this math class. It was trigonometry. If you've ever been in a trigonometry class, it was difficult. And I'm literally sitting there like, I'm lost. I'm in trouble, okay? We get our first test back. <laughs> I get like a, ooh, a hard 74, 72, which on their scale is like a D. And I'm like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. The person sitting next to me, I didn't know her yet. I won't reveal her name, but she's sitting next to me. She gets a 97 or a 98. It's one of the two. And I'm like, oh, so that's where we're at. She starts crying. And I'm like, I'm just staring at her like, whoa. I said, are you okay? She's like, I got to tell my mom about the 98. I was like, can we trade? Like, can I put my name on... <laughs> Our standards were way off. I was happy with that 74 rolling into a D minus. She was like A plus and bawling her eyes out. And I'm like, okay, different perspectives, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. All of us fall in that trap, right? We all fall in this trap of finding our purpose in the achievements that we accomplish. And either we achieve it or we don't achieve it, right? We start to value how we look at ourselves and how the world looks at us based on what we're able to do. It's dangerous. I've talked to people who, who literally achieved their whole life for a certain goal and they missed it and they're so depressed because their identity was wrapped up in their ability to perform. Again, achievement isn't bad. I love achieving things, but you have to know its place. It's not our purpose. Our purpose is to worship the Lord, to worship him alone. Next verse. Okay, so we got, totally forgot about these chairs, guys. I'm so sorry. Just imagine that these are money, achievement. Okay, here's the third one. Here's what Solomon says. He goes, look, these are probably the two biggest ones in our society, money, achievement. He says, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. He says, look, this was, by the way, at the end of the whole book. He goes through this whole list of all these things are purposeless, meaningless. He's like this and this and this and this and this. And by the end of the chapter, he says, look, this is the deal. You will only find meaning and purpose in Christ alone. That's it. Period. End of discussion. That's all it is. Here's the answer. We have to find our purpose in Jesus alone. And what do I mean by this? We have to shift our energy, quit trying to seek your meaning and value and identity in life in those things and start to shift that energy towards Christ alone. 
And I will tell you something, if you build this habit in your life, if you are able to shift your life to seek your purpose alone in Jesus, let me tell you something, you will have more joy, energy, and passion than you will ever have in your life. Because you will quit worrying about what's happening at work and what's happening with your kids and what's happening with your friends. You will quit trying to seek value in all these things and you will seek value alone in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. During the Black Lives Matter movement, and I'm not trying to talk about it, but what I thought was interesting was when people started talking and marching and all these things, energy started to shift towards the discussion, right? And changes started to be made. Focus starts to shift our energy and energy starts to shift our actions. Our focus in our life starts to focus on the opinions of others or the titles or the money. We start to focus so our energy goes out to them and Jesus starts to become this checklist. Oh, sure, Joey, I'll go to church. and Yeah, we'll join a group that Elvin talked about and we'll, we'll join all that. But no, what, what, what Solomon is saying here, he's like, look, he's not one of, piece of the pie. He is the pie. He is the thing. And my friends, I'm telling you, Don't get sucked into culture's lie that all these things will give you purpose. I'll tell you something. Before Jesus, my life, my gosh, I was was extremely insecure. I hated public speaking. (laughs) I hated it. I avoided all those moments. I was insecure. I was seeking it in drinking. I was seeking it in popularity. I was all these things. And I'm like, maybe this or women or sex, maybe this will give me purpose. And I get to the bottom of the well and there's nothing. There's just nothing. It's like, oh, well, those things are bad. But it happens in the achievements too. Oh, you got it. The medal. Good job. But okay. It's only in Christ alone that we can wake up every single morning on fire. Get through the fog. Get through society's lies. See it. It's Christ alone. The question is how? There's a couple ways. And how do we make this practical? Number one, here's a practical step. Writing out your purpose And I'm not trying to get all practical like crazy here. But what I'm saying is writing out this can help remind you and center you back around Jesus. An exercise I do in the morning is I journal with my Bible. And what I do is I write out something like my purpose is in Christ alone. That's it. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're like, I don't even know about this Jesus thing. That's okay. If you've been here for, if you've been a Christian for 20, 30 years, you can do this too because there's so many distractions, but we have to center our lives every single morning. So number one, we have to write our purpose. Step two, we have to pray over our purpose. We have to pray. Say, Jesus, you are the center of my life. You are the reason I wake up. You are the one that I'm going to school for. You are the reason I go to work. You are the one that, you are the reason why I raise my kids the way I do. You are my why. Every day. So number one, we're going to write it out. Number two, we're going to pray over it. And number three, here's, this is a powerful one. You are going to declare it every morning. 
There's power in declaration. Someone say declare. We're going to declare it. Here's what this does. This sets the tone for your day. I'm busy. You're busy. We're all busy. We all got stresses. We all got things to deal with. But when you wake up in the morning and you write down, Jesus, you are my Lord of my life. There's an exercise I do. I say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life today. You are the reason I get up. And you declare that thing every single day. I'm telling you, you're going to walk into your work day different. You are going to walk with your kids differently. You are going to lead at work differently when you declare who you stand with. Are you all with me? We are standing with the Lord today, and we're declaring that he is our purpose alone. Not how much money is in the bank, not what your position is, not if your kids made the team or not. That is not my purpose. My purpose is in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. My friends, again, I'll share this. I shared this at the beginning. My biggest fear in life is that we would wake up 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, And we would look back and life just went over our heads. Like Solomon said, his fear was, look, my fear is that you would chase the wind your whole life and you would get to the end of your life and you'll see that there's just nothing in your hands. There's just nothing. And you you achieved all the things and you made all the money, but you're empty because you're missing the one thing that gives us purpose. Jesus. So I pray that we write. Write it out. Pray every morning, Jesus, you are my purpose. You are my purpose. And declare that thing. Declare it every day. And watch how your life transforms. Declare it. Let me pray for us.